You're listening to the Wealth and Wanderlust podcast, an international finance and personal development podcast for the modern day woman. I'm your host, Vanessa M.W., and I'm here to help you build a better life abroad or in America. You can find out more about my work in finance and travel on wanderonwards.co, or you can say hi on Instagram at wanderonwards. Not all classrooms have four walls, so open your mind to what's possible and let's get started. JMT, you're this month's winner. Thanks so much for your review. Please DM me on Instagram to claim your gift. Hello and welcome back to Wealth in Wanderlust. You're here with your host, Vanessa, and we have an incredible guest today. She is a legit wanderlust queen going all over from Asia to London to whiplashing around the world during the quarantine and pandemic. So she has quite an interesting story. We're going to talk about uh, what it takes to do a degree abroad. How do you find work abroad um, and how do you pay for this stuff? So Candace, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Can you let everyone know a little bit about yourself and where to find you? Okay, so I am an American blogger. I'm like just reading out my Instagram bio, basically. Um, I'm American, I'm 23, and I moved to London when I was 18. I'm originally from New Jersey and Florida. And yeah, it's kind of been a wild ride since then. I've lived in Thailand, I've also lived in China, and I am living in London now doing my MBA, Um, but I also am a travel blogger and do travel writing, and I have a podcast about people combining their life with travel, which is what I've been trying to do, uh, luckily successfully, for the past five years now, so yeah. Wow, that that podcast is older than most people's relationships. I am very impressed. Oh, the podcast is a year abroad for five years. Oh, okay. (laughs) I'll let you know if it gets to five years. We'll see. So you left your home country and New Jersey, which is not known for its uh, influx of expats uh, at 18 and you just stayed abroad. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was about maybe two years in. Honestly, I'm lying. I think it was like the first month that I was like, I don't feel like I see myself going back to the U.S. And it's a crazy feeling, I think, when you feel like you finally belong somewhere and you just feel like this is home. It's a very strange feeling to get as an expat, but moving to London, I felt it so fast. And so I kind of knew in my heart always that I wasn't going back to the States. So... Well, you had a earlier realization than I, um, I felt the same way. And what you just said about not feeling like you have a place in America is something that, that I'm very familiar with. The tagline to my move abroad masterclass is find your place in the world. Um, so mm-hmm. how did you narrow down the entire earth to London? Okay, so originally when I was in high school, my like dream school was UCLA, just because I loved California. I didn't have any program I was interested in. I was just like, California, UCLA, they seem to go together. Um, And I looked at the tuition and I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) So I kind of took a pause then and I was just thinking about other options. And I had always been interested in travel. Um, I think because my parents are divorced, so going between New Jersey and Florida, I was just always used to traveling back and forth, but not necessarily abroad. And I used to just lose myself in travel movies. And when travel YouTubers started to become a thing in like 2014, 2015, 
um, probably before then, but that's when I found out, I just loved consuming that content. And so when it came time to think about colleges, I looked into Germany and then I was like, oh, Germany free college. I saw like a Facebook ad for it. And then I was like, huh, I don't speak German. I don't know if I want to speak German <laughs> at the time. I would learn German now, but I was like, okay, maybe I'll look at other options. And then I found London and it was just very serendipitous. I got like an email one day from a school that I feel like it's target advertising. Like when you look at one thing, something similar finds you. Um, thank you, Facebook, for deciding my future. <laughs> but because of that, I, I saw London and it was just click and... I had already started kind of saving for school and I just hustled. I started waitressing at IHOP for all my Americans. IHOP's very good. I gained a few pounds, but <laughs> I just worked relentlessly every day after school, um, saving up. I started eBay flipping and just literally anything I can do to go to school. And I also found out that they accept US student loans, which was a godsend. Um, so I was also able to take advantage of that and then just get some scholarships and figure it out. And I figured it out and I went. And what did your parents say? Like we poured all this money into you and you abandoned us. Cause that's a very typical script for people of color. It's interesting because I think my dad's an entrepreneur. So I think his stance was always like, do your own thing. And I think my mom as well, I'm just really lucky with the mindset that my parents have given me of like you can do whatever you want to do, but the caveat is you have to pay for it. So I've always known that my whole life of like, I can do my own thing, but it's not going to be on daddy's credit card or anything like that. So as soon as I turned 18, I actually moved out of my parents' house, like the same week I moved out of my mom's and lived on my own. So I'm very used to being independent, very individual thinker and independent. So when I left, it was more like, okay, we're, like, we're not going to argue with you. <laughs> we'll miss you, but there's literally nothing we can do to convince you. And yeah, I think they appreciate having the opportunity to travel to Europe now and to all these places that they never would have gone before because my family doesn't really travel. So it's been a really good experience. But at first it was just kind of like, okay, Candace, we, we give up. <laughs> Uh, you you are my dream child to have, someone that is independent, curious about the world. Um, how did you, uh, not assimilate, how did you find the confidence to do this? Because I know a lot of people are wondering how to build that self-confidence and independence in themselves. Yeah, I think self-confidence comes from proving things to yourself and making a promise to yourself and sticking to it. And then I think you form a feedback loop, like a positive feedback loop that gives you more self-confidence. So I think I just started by doing little things that were a little bit scary, like starting from when I was 14, working my first job and like, ah, oh, this is a bit scary. I don't like to talk to people, <laughs> all these things. But then you kind of build up confidence. And especially when you start to make your own money, I feel like that gave me a lot of confidence because I kind of saw what that could get me and oh if I work x hours I can save x amount and when I make x amount I can do x thing so I think just putting yourself in situations that are a little bit scary often can just kind of prove to you how kind of unscary the world is and how much more free you feel when you take chances on yourself than when you don't I feel like I'm terrified of the feeling of regret so much so that that fear of regret is way higher than 
any kind of chance I could take on myself. So it's kind of a cynical way to look at it, but I think also just making yourself make that balance a little uneven and like having that fear of regretting something in life be higher than the actual action of just doing that thing, if that makes sense. It totally does. That was my um, like motivation to move to China in 2013. I legit like bailed on law school, dumped my boyfriend, packed everything into two suitcases <laughs> and went to a country I had never been to before. Um, so it sounds like we have a very like similar path. Yeah. When I was listening, I was like, okay, that's a bit strange. <laughs> That is very similar. <laughs> yeah, it's super strange. Um, but you went to Shanghai, right? I was in Beijing. Yeah, I was in Shanghai. Okay. And I call Shanghai like the Disneyland of China um, because they have like French restaurants and quarters and uh, there's no way you can speak Cantonese. So I found a lot of people um, spoke English, uh, whereas in Beijing, I was constantly so terrified because I, I just couldn't navigate without some survival Chinese. What was your experience in Shanghai? Um, wow, loaded. <laughs> I was there at the beginning of COVID, so very loaded, but it was great. It was really great. I um, I moved there in the beginning of 20, actually the end of, yeah, the end of 2019. Um, I had worked on the Isle, just another random story. I'd worked on the Isle of Wight in the UK um, the following year, and I was dating someone that unfortunately passed away. And so after that, I think I just went through a like, okay, what are all the life things you want to do? Um, because he was 22 and oh I just God. never kind of comprehended that, yeah, that you could die at 22. So I think after that, my whole mind just shifted into a very like chasing my dream state, life is short state, and I'm just going to complete every dream I have in life. And moving to China was always one of those dreams. So. I decided to teach abroad for a year, at least that was the plan, and moved in January. And it was a huge culture shock, I think, for so many reasons, from being a Black woman and having people look at you like you were an alien because they had never seen a Black woman before, to like not speaking Mandarin. I learned while I was there, thankfully, but in the beginning, just not knowing what anyone was saying all the time. And dealing with pollution and just cultural differences. And it was just crazy. But at the same time, the, the growth from it was just wild. So I loved it. And I think Shanghai is just such a dynamic city. I think whatever opinion you have of China, I don't feel like you can truly have an opinion until you visit China for yourself. Quick commercial break. Want to manage your money better? Check out my beginner's budget dashboard. It's an easy to use digital tool that helped me economize my lifestyle easily so I could invest over $20,000 in 2020 alone. Check out the link in the description. Um, but overall, I think it was a really enjoyable experience. I think at the time, maybe I would say, this is very interesting. I can't decide if it's good or bad, but looking back, I think it was definitely good. And I was there when things with COVID were starting to happen. So obviously my experiences was tainted by that. <laughs> But I would 100% want to go back. I'm still waiting for things to get normal enough for me to just kind of get the time there that I wish I had. And so you mentioned that you had a relationship in the United Kingdom. How is it to date and uh, form these serious relationships abroad? Um, 
I feel like interesting is just my word of this podcast. Uh, I think I was definitely at a point where it just, I, I was not thinking long-term. I don't think many people at 18, 19, 20, 21 um, really think about things long-term. But I think in my own mind, I don't know if it was in their mind, I always knew I wanted to stay abroad. So it was never a question of like, oh, would we move to the US one day or all these things. I had one serious relationship that went on for a year and, and a bit and he was British. And I think it was just good, just little cultural differences that was the biggest thing. But I don't think it's that much different from dating in the States. I think like, just cultural differences just become a part of your relationship. At the same time, British culture and American culture are similar enough where you don't feel completely foreign to learning about your partner's life and how they live and things. Accents are a little interesting, <laughs> but overall, I think it's, it's pretty similar. I think men are very similar all over the world. <laughs> I will have to humbly disagree with you, my darling. Um, okay. I, I, I haven't dated Germans yet, so. <laughs> well, they're great. They're so efficient. They can cook, they can clean, like wife them up if you meet one. Um, but I, I struggled dating British men because I found uh, they were too similar to Americans. Um, I felt like a lot of the baggage was very uh, similar. Um, they couldn't care for themselves for some reason like couldn't cook couldn't clean you can see there's a theme in my life uh which is mm, probably yeah <laughs> why i married german uh, <laughs> and so even though you're young it seems like you're like set with staying abroad um how does that impact your family dynamic and your relationships with people at home um I think it's gotten to the point now where it's just very normal i think um but for example, I was never kind of the person that like always wanted to be around my family. <laughs> We're very different in a lot of ways and I love them and they love me, but I think they know that our relationship couldn't be as good if I wasn't doing my own thing and chasing my own kind of vision and dharma and dreams. I don't think I would be as happy a person and so I don't think I'd be as good a family member. So it's kind of like a trade-off you have to take, but I still see my family like twice a year. Sometimes they see me and we FaceTime almost every day. So I think technology really has given us um, just kind of an outlet to still have a connection. I had like one uncle in my family that traveled a lot and this was in the 60s and he would go off to like China and these crazy places and Europe and backpacking and all these things. And my grandma, like his family wouldn't hear from him for months and he would just send a letter here and there. And so whenever my family like tries to give me like crap or anything, I'm just like, well, Uncle Bubba left for like seven months at a time and no one heard from him. And I FaceTime you guys at least three times a week. <laughs> so I think it works in that way. Oh, that's a great story. That's like one of the original like OG wanderlust kids. Um, I don't know how they did it without Google. I am genuinely in awe. What was your uncle's trick? I don't know. He actually, he's passed away, so I can't ask him now, but I think I definitely have that same spirit of just like, get up and go and worry about the rest later. Which um, is a totally fine letters. plan to have. Yeah. Sorry, you were saying about the letters? Oh, oh, I, I think that was it. Just letters. <laughs> Sending letters is a really good way to communicate, I guess, in that day. That's pretty much all you can do. 
Agreed. Um, and then now that we have our phones and technology, I actually call my mom and speak with her more than I ever did when I was living in the United States away at college. Mm -hmm. I think now we have so much more perspective about how valuable the relationship is between us. And why would we spend time fighting with one another when we could just be gossiping instead about what the <laughs> I did what? Um, <laughs> what is your next plan then? What are you currently doing in London? Um, so I'm currently getting my MBA. Um, and then outside of that, I am working on my travel blog and I do freelance travel writing. So I work for Trip Scout, which is a travel startup on their London account, London Travelers. And that's been really cool. Um, I also host a podcast and just I'm kind of talking to guests that combine their career and goals to travel. And honestly, it's it's weird. I feel like I'm doing creating two realities at once. So I have this very structured professional kind of path of doing my MBA and writing my thesis and all these things. But then I also have this creative outlet where I'm garnering this audience and just building my own thing. And so it's really good to kind of work on those both at the same time, because I think there's this big stereotype in the travel industry and in the content creator industry that you just quit, quit your job and then you just do it. And then you're making like six figures overnight. And that's not really how it works. You have to balance it around like real life and quote unquote real life, but real life. So I think working while doing this has just given me a lot of discipline and just kind of learning how to spend my time in the most valuable ways, which was a lesson I did not always have in college. My, my time was spent in very interesting places. <laughs> so it's been really cool to just be on that journey now. And you've done multiple degrees abroad now. Would you mind giving us some insight into how you paid, that, paid for that? Because I know lots of people would like to do something similar. Yeah, so before getting my bachelor's and now getting my master's, I had saved for minimum a year to two years um, for bachelor's. And then for master's, I went when I was teaching in China, a lot of that primarily was to save to come back to London. So definitely would not necessarily recommend just thinking of it one month and then moving the next month. I think there's definitely a lot of saving and planning that can go into that, but obviously you can only save so much. So the rest of that, I signed up for student loans, which um, most UK, all UK universities, check that, <laughs> except so you can use the US, you can use the US FAFSA program with that. Um, and then look up scholarships. There are tons of scholarships specifically for Americans going to the UK um, and just Americans studying in Europe and things like that. So I think research is also a big part of that. Um, so I'd say it's a mix of saving for at least a year scholarships. And then if you need to get a loan, getting a loan and making sure that you get enough, but don't go over because you can also work while you're in London. So then also just working to supplement your income as well. I think that's a great idea. Um, and the cost of education in the UK is so much more affordable than the United States. Even like the mm -hmm. most expensive uh, MBAs are still only like $20,000 a year versus the 40,000 that we have in the United States. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're a lot cheaper. That was one of my big reasons for, for moving over because when I looked at it, I was like, what? So you're telling me I can travel and get my degree at the same time and it's cheaper. Like when I saw all, like I was like triple whammy, like there's no way that I'm not moving abroad. <laughs> and I think that's just something people don't kind of 
realize is that you don't have to give up one part of your life for the other. I personally am not, I tried to be a digital nomad when I got stuck in Thailand for six months, completely different story. <laughs> um, and I like tried that lifestyle and I just was not comfortable. I was like, I want to get back to London and <laughs> I want to have my flat and I want to just be in this city. And I think realizing that digital nomadism <laughs> wasn't for me, um, just kind of really showed me that the image of what someone that loves travel is, isn't linear and it's not one specific thing you have to do. So if you really want to travel, but you also want to get your degree, look into getting your degree abroad. If you really, you know, don't want to quit your job, but you really want to travel, look into working remote and see if you can move to another country. Dubai just is releasing, is releasing or has released a visa where you can work remote from the job in your home country and just live in Dubai. So I think there's so many options that people don't realize um, because there's just this image of you just have to quit your job and be a digital nomad to be a full-time traveler. And as an expat, I kind of consider myself a full-time traveler. I never feel a hundred percent like the culture that I'm in. I don't feel British. So I constantly feel like this never ending kind of trip, which just gives me an excitement in life that I don't think I could get back home. So I think always look into how can you combine your goals and your professional goals and your education goals with travel rather than thinking that you need to leave one to do the other and make them separate things. Yeah, I love that. And that's exactly what I'm chasing as well. Um, I've, I think I've done a good job having a normal life abroad. I have a job, I have a husband. Um, and you can really blend the two things that you described, travel and your passion with a serious adult job and life and come out doing both, which is amazing to me. Um, we are at the end of our podcast today. Candace, where can everyone find you and what, where are you going next? Leave us with that. Okay. Um, so you can find me on Instagram at Candace Abroad. You can also find my blog, www.candaceabroad.com. Um, my podcast is abroadandco.com or at it's abroad and co on Instagram. Um, and then where you can, what I'll be doing, where you can find me right now, you can find me in London lockdown <laughs> at home in my PJ pants. Um, but in the coming months, I think you'll just find me exploring London. My, my personal blog um, is a London travel blog. So if you're ever looking to come to London, definitely go there for some good resources. And then my podcast is, I think you're going to be on my podcast soon. So just travel loving people that love to combine the two. I'll be there as well. So. Can't wait. Well, thank you so much, Candice, for being on the show. And I will see everybody listening on YouTube, Spotify, or uh, iTunes. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Want to win a free finance-related digital product valued anywhere from $15 to $300? Just subscribe and leave a review on iTunes with your name. I'll announce the winner each month on the podcast, and you can DM me on Instagram to claim your prize. Thanks for supporting the channel, and I'll see you next week.